millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Talking France, a podcast by The Local. This is our final episode of talking about everything going on in France before we, like the rest of the country, take a summer break. There's a lot to discuss as we look at what the next few weeks have in store for France. From the return of COVID to the summer getaway and from the political chaos to the threat of more strikes, we will explore what could happen whilst everyone's at the beach this summer. We'll also learn a thing or three about the French constitution and discover whether the French really do eat frog's legs, snails and horse, as the stereotype has us believe. To do all this, I'll be joined as usual by editor Emma Pearson, journalist Jen Mansfield and French political expert John Litchfield. I'm your host, Ben McPartland. And let's start with what we're talking about in France. Emma, I can't quite believe we're back here again. We are talking once again about COVID and it's in the middle of the summer. What's going on? Yeah, I could happily never have another conversation about this in my life. But unfortunately, it seems like COVID is back. Now, when you say COVID is back, like just give us an example of what the rates are at the moment. Well, we're on about 50,000 new cases a week at the moment. So that's nowhere near the peaks that we saw in like December, January during the the Omicron wave. That was more like three, four hundred thousand a week. But it's 57 percent up on last week and we're seeing a fairly steady week-on-week rise for about the last four weeks now. Wow, okay. I mean, remember when we had the first lockdown, I mean, we didn't know how many cases there were a day, but at that point... 50,000 cases a day, you know, it was huge, but things have changed since then. Yeah, calm down, Ben. It's all right. right. We're not going back into lockdown. It's all good. Um, We're in a very different situation to 2020, obviously. There are different strains. There's a very well vaccinated population here in France. But having said that, the government is calling on all the over 60s and people who've got long-term health conditions to get an extra vaccine booster shot now. So that's the second booster for people in a high-risk group. Indeed. The second booster has been open for over 60s for quite a while now in France. The take-up has been low, has it? Fairly low, yeah. Obviously, it's not compulsory. It's not linked to health passes anymore. So this is entirely voluntary for people to take it up. And I think, as you sort of said earlier, people are just not really worrying about COVID in the summer so much. So the turnout's not been that great. The government's now kind of launched this call for people in high-risk groups to get vaccinated. And there's also going to be a combined second booster shot campaign with the seasonal flu vaccine, which starts in um, September, October. In the autumn. Okay. Now, what about any kind of rules or recommendations regarding COVID? Where are we at at the moment in France? There's no actual new rules yet. Obviously, if anything new is brought in, we'll put it up on the local website. But the health ministry has drawn up a contingency plan for the reintroduction of the health pass in certain situations. And we also had the health minister calling on people to start wearing masks again on public transport. Although this is a recommendation, we should say, and not a rule. Now, you take the metro uh, pretty much every day. Have you noticed more people wearing masks recently? Yeah, in the last week or so, I've really noticed more people uh, masking up. And also I've noticed, just as I've been walking around the city, been going past a couple of pharmacies that have got queues out the door of people wearing masks, obviously waiting for tests. Yeah, those tents are back, I seem to notice. Maybe they didn't go away, but I've started to notice the queues outside the tents at pharmacies now. I think one thing as well that's really struck me in the last, say, 10 days is how many people have kind of texted me 
saying they've got COVID. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed just the talk of COVID is coming back? Yeah, definitely. We've had a you know a few people I know have either tested positive or like their partners have tested positive or something. So it's kind of it's back in the daily conversation, I think. Whereas the last few months or so, it's just not been a talking point. Yeah, we'd all kind of just thought and hoped it would go away, but we knew that autumn was going to be the big next kind of period where we were going to possibly have rules and health passes again. But we were hoping it would stay away till then. It might do. At the moment, though, one question we get asked a lot and one subject that for readers is important is regarding tourists and what they should do or can do if they contract COVID whilst they're in France. Have we got any advice for them? Yeah, you must self-isolate. I know quite a lot of countries have scrapped their rules on self-isolating, but France has not. So if you test positive for COVID, you do need to self-isolate. That's for 10 days if you're unvaccinated or for seven days if you're fully vaccinated. Although if you test negative on day five, you can leave early. And this applies to tourists as well as residents. You can do your self-isolation at home, at a friend's home, in a hotel, rented property, just as long as you're staying away from the world. The good news is that accessing testing is easy in France. I know in a lot of other countries there are quite a lot of barriers for it, but in France it's very straightforward. You pretty much just walk into any pharmacy and they'll be able to do you a rapid result antigen test. If you're not a resident in France, you will probably have to pay for it, however. Mm. Um, And the costs are capped at €22 for an antigen test or €54 for a PCR test. And just finally, just a word on kind of COVID-related travel restrictions. You know, there's no signs of them being brought back or anything like that. What's the latest on that? Uh, Nothing yet. I mean, all of the most recent changes to COVID rules have been relaxing them rather than the other way around. But there is still the traffic light map, you know, where countries get red, orange or green status. And that is still regularly updated. So we could see some more restrictions being imposed if this gets any worse. Okay, so we're in the middle of a COVID wave. Uh, We will see how that develops throughout the summer, but I'm sure we're going to be talking more about this in the autumn. And let's move on to the next talking point. Jen, this week we are talking about Yael Braun-Pivet. I think I've pronounced that correctly. Who is she and why is France talking about her this week? So Yael Braun-Pivet is the first woman to be elected the president of the National Assembly in France. Uh, And that's actually a pretty big deal because France is the second to last country in Europe to have a woman preside over one of its houses of parliament. Okay, tell us more about her. So she's a member of Macron's party, LREM, and prior to starting this job, she was previously serving as the Minister for Overseas Territories. Now, she represents the Yvelines district in France's parliament, uh, which is just outside of Paris. And prior to entering politics, she was a lawyer. Her family background actually is German and Polish. Uh, Her grandfather was actually a Polish Jew who fled to France in the 1930s. Okay, so just sum up, what does this role involve that she's landed? So it's quite similar to the post of being Speaker of the House in the American system or Speaker of the House of Commons in the British system. Basically, the president of the Assemblée Nationale is the person who presides over the National Assembly. And in terms of the actual job, it's their job to keep discipline in the chamber, to ensure that people follow the rules of procedure during debates, a role that's probably going to be a bit challenging considering that this parliament has no outright majority right now. And if the president of the Republic, Macron, ever wanted to dissolve parliament and call a snap election, as some are predicting that he might, Brun Privé would be one of the people he would have to consult prior to doing so. Okay, now just before we bring in French political expert John Litchfield to get his take on what's going to happen this summer in the world of French politics... Just bring us up to date, Jen, on the latest in the kind of political parliamentary crisis in France. So President Macron has been meeting with opposition forces. Um, and in his speech last week, he talked about the importance of compromise. And he gave opposition groups the choice of either building alliances or working together on a case-by-case basis, law by law. 
So one week on from the speech, no alliances have yet been formed, and it seems like it's going to end up being the latter, case by case, law by law, which means the role of the president of the Assemblée is going to be all the more important because they're going to be presiding over France's disjointed parliament. So we can expect the debates for this parliamentary session to be spirited, to say the least. Thank you. Now I'm going to bring in our French political expert, John Litchfield, to find out what exactly could happen this summer in France. John, how do you think the summer is going to play out in terms of French politics and the kind of mini crisis, should we say, for Emmanuel Macron after the parliamentary elections? Well, I think it all depends on on the first couple of uh, showdowns when the parliament meets in in anger or less anger next week. I mean, they're already meeting now, but basically to vote for and appoint the senior positions in the parliament, which is interesting in itself because it shows how the, the forces are starting to align. But the big, big decisions are next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when, first of all, the Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne has to make a a normal statement of uh, government intentions. Then she has to decide whether to go for a confidence vote in that or wait for the opposition to table a vote of no confidence in her. And then the big decisions before the end of the week on the extensions and increases in the anti-inflation packages like cheaper petrol, keeping prices of electricity, gas down, Uh, increased wages for some civil servants, teachers and so on, which have to go before the parliament next week. So if they can get through all that business next week without the government collapsing or the whole system gumming up, then I suspect we'll go into a longer period of haggling and that the real fighting will start again in September. And and let's just look ahead to La Rentrée. You know, the politicians will take a summer break. They will come back in La Rentrée. What are the chances of France facing new parliamentary elections in the autumn? In the autumn, no, I wouldn't have thought so. There is a kind of constitutional dispute between various more learned people than me, which there are many, uh, as to whether how soon Macron can call a new election. He can call a new election after having called one after 12 months, but then you could argue he didn't call this last one. It was the one that was the normal end-of-term election, and therefore he could call one straight away. And he could have one in the autumn, but whether he'd be willing to challenge the constitutionalists and including the the constitutional council on that, I don't know. My feeling is that he'd probably want to wait till the spring at the earliest uh, anyway. Um, If he has to, he may have to wait until next June, 12 months after this and the last election. I think it's going to be difficult to avoid another election at some point next year, because otherwise Macron's going to have to limp through five years of his final term. And I think he's not the sort of person to be willing to do that, unless some kind of very surprising coalition emerges, which doesn't seem to be happening at the moment. I think we will have new elections next year, but before June. And on to our next talking point of the week. Jen, where are we talking about in France this week? There's a good little story here. So today we are traveling down south to the famous national park of Calanque, which is located along the southern coast of France near Marseille. And it's home to these famous steep inlets of old rock formations. There are these really, really beautiful views of the Mediterranean. And it's right along the beach, so there are some really lovely swimming spots. And the news is that you'll now need to make a reservation ahead of time. Now, keep in mind, this is not for the entire park. It's just for the two very popular coves, Sujiton and Pierre Tombé. And there's been a lot of discussion lately for how to best protect these really beautiful natural areas. And the answer is going to be making a reservation. Wow. So in advance, before you plan to go to Le Calanque, which, I mean, I've seen videos on YouTube of these guys diving off the cliffs into the beautiful, pristine waters. It looks fantastic. I've always wanted to go to that part of France. But we're talking about having to make a reservation for these two specific beaches. Is that right? 
That's right, and you'll be able to make the reservation after 9 a.m., three days prior to your visit. And when you make that reservation, you'll only be able to book up to eight reservations at a time. But the reason that they're doing this is to actually protect the national park. Because these coves, they're very popular. They've had a lot of overcrowding over the years, sometimes up to 2,000 to 2,500 visitors a day. And basically what that's done is it's caused a lot of erosion and degradation of their really unique natural environments. Wow, okay, so there we have it. Readers need to take care. If they want to go to the National Park, the Calonk, they should think about reserving. Any more information about the actual reservations, Jen? Yeah, so only a maximum of 400 people a day are going to be allowed. And basically the new system, it was tested out Sunday the 26th of June, and it's going to be required again on July 3rd, and then it's going to be a daily requirement from July 10th through August 21st. Wow, okay. It really is a beautiful part of France and well worth a visit, but Do your preparation in advance. Thanks, Jen. It's that time of the year in France where there's practically only one question everyone is asking each other. Where are you going on holiday? Yep, the summer holidays, or les grandes vacances as they're called in French, are a big deal. Not just to school kids who get a break from the classroom for almost two months, and not just to workers who get to take several weeks or even up to a month off, but also the French economy, whose tourism sector relies on people heading to the beach, the mountains, or the countryside each year. Emma, les grandes vacances really are big business in France. Yeah, they're they're a huge deal. Um, It's a big deal culturally, but it's also a big deal economically, and as, as you mentioned, the tourism sector in France is very important. 2019, France was the most visited tourist destination in the world. It welcomed 90 million visitors. And a statistic that's often trotted out is that tourism makes up roughly 10% of France's GDP. But to me, that statistic hides what I think is an even more interesting statistic. Yes, it's true, tourism makes up roughly 10% of France's GDP, but only 30% of that is international tourism. The other 70% is domestic tourism, i.e. French people going on holiday to a different part of France. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the people around me, the French people around me, it's rare for them to say they're going abroad in the summer. Most of them will say they're going to some different part of France, usually the coast. Staycations become a kind of common word in English in recent years, but in France, the kind of culture of staycation, it's been there for for years you know it's got the countryside it's got the mountains the beaches it's got everything here why would you leave France in the summer absolutely you know there's all sorts of nice places to go to but that tradition uh, which as you say has been in place for a long long time has put the French tourism industry in a relatively good position to weather some of the changes that are coming both the short-term and the long-term ones so obviously Covid as you mentioned has had a huge impact on, uh, on tourism but last summer when travel was still fairly heavily restricted many French resorts were reporting bookings at normal level or even above since their clientele were mostly French and you could travel within France, so that was fine. Overall, I think the French tourist industry in 2021 was 8% down on 2019, so obviously painful for a lot of individual people, but certainly nothing like as catastrophic as the drop that you saw in other tourist hotspots like Spain, for example. And I think it's probably going to put them in a good position to weather some of the more long-term changes that we're seeing in travel. The trend seems to be less mass tourism, fewer long-haul flights, people are more conscious of their carbon footprint and want to take holidays closer to home, avoid flying, and all of that is going to play quite well for the French industry. Having said that, uh, I was at the Champs-Élysées this weekend, just gone. It was absolutely packed and I heard accents and languages from all around the world. So clearly quite a lot of long-haul tourism is back here in Paris. Yeah, I think Paris is probably one of the parts of France where you really do notice the international tourism element. You know, people from coming from all over the world to visit Paris. Now, look, this doesn't mean there aren't any problems at the moment in the French 
tourism industry. In fact, we've talked on this podcast recently and we've got articles on, on our site, the local.fr, about the shortage in resorts and restaurants and you know campsites finding workers to actually deal with the influx of tourists that they're expecting. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is a sort of Europe-wide problem, but they're finding it quite hard to recruit these sort of short-term, casual, often fairly low-paid seasonal worker jobs. And a lot of tourism operators are quite worried about that. You know, we're hearing from campsite operators, restaurant owners, that kind of thing who just can't get the staff for this summer so that's going to be a problem. I think there's also some more sort of longer term problems that are facing the French tourism industry and one of the industries that's particularly worried is the ski industry that the climate crisis rising temperatures means that many of France's ski resorts in the Alps just can't guarantee snow during the traditional ski season. They're sort of trying to diversify at the moment from the focus on just skiing there's a sort of renewed focus on summer tourism in the Alps but they're going to have to come up with a major change to sort of keep their business model yeah you see a lot of the ski resorts who used to just be you know open in winter have have diversified and now they offer a whole host of activities to try and attract families in the summer you've given us an idea how important tourism is for the french economy but i think it's only when you live here and you work here in france that you really realize how deeply ingrained this kind of summer holiday culture is when you start noticing businesses just close up for the summer and you think hold on you could be making money here but then no no no, i'm off on holiday workers disappear businesses close down boulangeries close down i mean you know the Grand Vacances, which start, you know, in early July, it really is such an important part of French culture. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, French kids get two months off school in the summer and it's very common for employees to take at least three weeks, four weeks off in the summer. And in fact, a lot of offices just close down completely for three or four weeks in the middle of the summer. Everyone goes on holiday. As you mentioned, a lot of the sort of small independent businesses will shut up for several weeks and quite often there'll just be a little cardboard sign in the door and it'll just say something like, you know, off on holiday, see you in September. So you have to walk a bit further to get your baguette. What I always think one of the differences is that when French workers are on holiday, they are properly on holiday. There is none of this nonsense about checking your emails on the beach. There's a a joke that always does the rounds on social media this time of year, comparing out-of-office replies with French and American workers. And the American one says something like, I'm in the hospital for kidney surgery today. I can be contacted on my cell all day. I'll be back in the office tomorrow. And like the French one just says, I've gone camping. Contact me in September. Obviously, they're very exaggerated but that is the difference in the culture I think. Yeah I mean I guess you know especially in Paris you'll notice you know it really does empty out in August it's really actually a lovely place to be in in August Paris it's so quiet there's very little traffic you know the metro is empty it's probably one of the best times of the year to be here. One thing we should mention when we talk about holidays in France is of course unfortunately we have to go there it strikes Now, on the locals' website, you've got a strike calendar or strike timetable running. What's in it at the moment? What should we warn listeners about? It's quite concentrated on travel, and this is fairly typical for for summer, particularly airline workers. They usually call their strikes in the summer because obviously that's the busy time where they're going to have the most impact. This summer, we've seen strikes called by uh, employees at the Paris airports, Ryanair employees, and more so on railways. Uh, The railways are having a, a national day of strike action, and there may well be more to come on this. Indeed. Keep an eye on our website, thelocal.fr, for the strikes timetable to see if your trip could be affected. Now, just some final tips for listeners about holidaying in France. Anything we can tell them? Definitely check the Bison Fute website. This is so useful. It's basically like the weather forecast, but for traffic. And it just tells you where the busy weekends are going to be. They're often linked to school holidays, public holidays, that kind of thing. And it tells you where it's going to be busy, what time and which roads you should avoid. So that's very useful if you're driving. Indeed, yeah. And we normally carry 
carry a lot of those warnings on our website throughout the summer. And what about weather forecast? It's always good to look at Meteo France, no, to see whether the storms are coming or the heat waves are coming. Yeah, um, obviously they do a weather forecast the same as everyone else, but they also do sort of alert systems for extreme weather, so storms, floods, and increasingly heat waves. A proper heat wave, especially in the south, where the temperatures have recently been climbing up to 44 degrees, is no joke. So you really do need to check the alerts for extreme weather and follow the government guidelines to stay safe during the hottest part of the day, which is usually between 3pm and 5pm. So stay indoors, shut the shutters, stay cool, drink plenty of water. One thing I've noticed, and I think I would give a tip to people, if they're heading to the beach, go early. I was in Deauville just a couple of weeks ago, and the amount of people who turned up at the beach in the afternoon looking for a parking spot. It was absolute traffic chaos in the town. And I was thinking, just get there early, guys. Spend the whole day at the beach. Any tips, Emma? Yeah, but Ben, you're on holiday. You want to lie in. You want uh, you want your pan of chocolate in bed fetched by your partner, no? Yeah, I don't get a lie in with kids. So I'm just like, guys, we're getting on the beach. It's 8.30. We're playing in the sand until 6.30, you know, all day on the beach. Fantastic, Emma. You've given us a real run through there of how important holidays are in France and some tips for listeners. We hope you all, of course, enjoy your summer holidays this year in France. The local France has over 10,000 members. Their contributions help us grow our coverage of France and allow us to produce this podcast. If you'd like to join at a discount price, visit www.thelocal.fr slash podcast offer. Each week on Talking France, we aim to give you three things you really should know about something very French. Now, there's probably nothing more French than the country's constitution. Jen, you're going to tell us about its history, its importance and how it's changed. The first thing to know about the French constitution is that France is a big fan of constitutions. So historically speaking, France has had 15 of them. Funnily enough, the word constitution in English actually comes from the French word constitution, which obviously is derived from Latin, of course. But it's fair to say that constitutions are very important to the French. And the different constitutions in France throughout history have reflected different periods of history, fluctuating between monarchies to republics to empires. Okay, so France had 15 constitutions. Really interesting fact. The current constitution, correct me if I'm wrong, is 64 years old, is that right? That is correct, but that's actually not that short in the big scheme of things. France's first constitution didn't even last one year. So the current constitution was inaugurated in 1958 at the hand of then-president Charles de Gaulle, and it's seen as the start of the Fifth Republic. That means it's known for focusing on themes like the separation of church and state, democracy, and social welfare, though it has been interpreted differently by different presidents. The precedent in place is that it favors a strong executive. Now, is it possible, or has it been possible, to change this French constitution over the years? Yes, it is possible to amend the French constitution, and actually France's current constitution has been amended 24 Four times so far. And you may have heard about this more recently in the news because several politicians have called for amending this constitution in order to make abortion a fundamental right in France. So this is possible, but it's a little bit tricky. So there are two ways you can go about changing the French constitution. You can either do it via referendum or via parliament. So if you do it via referendum, it's actually only supposed to happen for a few select cases. So for example, this is actually how France changed its method of electing the president. When Charles de Gaulle asked the French public whether they wanted to amend the constitution to elect their presidents via popular vote, they voted to do so, and that was highly controversial at the time. So the more official way to amend the French constitution is via parliament. And in order to do so, you need both houses of parliament to vote on a final text, the same text, that's already been approved by the president, and then you need to have a three-fifths majority. 
So the last time the French Constitution was amended in 2008, and we'll see if we have another one coming up. Really interesting stuff. There you have it. Three things to know about the French Constitution. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Ben. And it's that time of the episode when we look at a question that's been sent in by readers. This week, Emma, it revolves around food, traditional French food. Let me get to the point. Do the French really eat frogs' legs, snails and horses still? They do, absolutely. Uh, Maybe not as much as they once did, but uh, these are very sort of traditional parts of French cuisine, but they are still uh, still here. Frogs, obviously so synonymous with France that the Brits actually refer to the French as frogs. They still eat some of them. The most recent data I could find was from 2018, and that showed that 160 million frogs' legs were eaten in France that year. So that's 80 million frogs. So that's because they only eat their back legs, is that right? Exactly, yes. That's the reason behind your maths. Yes, it's actually cuisse de grand oui, which is frog's thighs. Yeah. So it's the um, the big legs that they jump with at the back get eaten. I, I've eaten frogs' legs. There's not much meat on them. I mean, you'd literally have to eat like about 30 maybe to even start to feel full. Well, exactly. So when we say 160 million frogs' legs, that's... That's like three people <laughs> eating that, no? <laughs> well, they reckon it's roughly 10 million meals of frogs' legs. Wow. So that would mean one in every six French people have one frogs' legs meal per year. So they're not exactly a, an everyday menu item. Is it all over France? Is it one part of France? No, it's quite a regional thing really uh, eastern france really is where they're concentrated uh, the vosges mountains you fairly rarely see them on menus in the rest of the country and let's just get this straight these aren't actually frogs from france are they that the french are eating no the most of them are actually imported from indonesia because there's quite strict rules on hunting frogs in france so if you were planning a frog hunting holiday over the summer then don't come to france because it's very strictly regulated okay moving on albeit very slowly snails Yes. Now here, France really lives up to its reputation. It is the world's number one consumer of snails. Last year, France went through 30,000 tonnes of snails a year. They have a bit more of a geographical spread than uh, than frog's legs, really, but they're quite concentrated in the north. You fairly rarely see them on menus in southern France. Have you had snails? Yes, I have. They're pretty nice, actually. But I mean, they're cooked in herby, garlicky butter. And to be honest, anything is nice if you put enough butter and garlic on it. I mean, indeed, that's the response you get from French people when you kind of suggest that eating snails is a bit wrong, they say. But what about le, le beurre, le beurre à l'ail? They talk about the garlic butter. But I mean, like, you know, like you say, anything would be good in garlic butter. I want to meet these French people who eat snails without garlic butter. I would respect them. You know, again, France, is it kind of like, is there a time of year, is there a part of the country where they eat snails? I know in Burgundy, I've been down there, they seem to be on a lot of menus. Yeah, like I say, it's the north, really. And um, yeah, the, the northeast, perhaps. But really, the time to eat them is is now, if you want to enjoy them, because the French Federation of Conserved Foods warned over the weekend that snail harvests are getting smaller and smaller every year. It's to do with changing temperatures. So take advantage of your lovely snails now. You heard it here, listeners. Get into the fields and start collecting snails. Now, moving on, horses. What's going on with horse meat? I know that, you know, there was a scandal a few years ago regarding horse meat. So people in France might have eaten horse meat without knowing. Uh, We all might have eaten horse meat without knowing it if you ate some kind of prepackaged lasagna in Europe between a certain date. But yes, the French quite often deliberately eat horse. Not as much as either the Italians or the Finns. They both eat more horse per person than the French, but it is still, still eaten. 2018, again, most recent figures, I could find 180,000 tonnes of horse meat was consumed in France, but only 20% of the population said that they did eat it or would eat it. So it's not a particularly widespread thing. Right, okay. Now, these are uh, traditional foods we've talked about. What about France's 
favorite dish should we just kind of fill our listeners in they don't actually eat these you know it's not the favorite dish horse snails or frog's legs it is what well this is not actual science but the french tv channel Le france 2 does a, an annual poll called le plat préféré des français which is like france's favorite dish and the current favorite dish is couscous so it's not even french really although it's very widely eaten in france it's delicious go to a, a couscousserie or a cafe you get a massive mound of couscous you get a big tureen of sort of vegetables vegetable tagine and then you order the meat separately so that will be something like a, a lamb kebab or a mega sausage it's really good it's cheap it's filling it I think kind of fills the same place in France as maybe the high street curry house does in the UK or perhaps the pizzeria in the US it's very good and you don't need garlic butter to get it down basically you can have some harissa just to spice it up a bit indeed thank you for that Emma Now, this is our last episode before the summer break, so it's time to look ahead throughout the summer to find out what's going on in France. Over to you, Emma. Yeah, it's lots of holidays. Not only are we in the podcast going on holiday, schools go on holiday, so the kids break up on July 7th, that's Thursday. The Parliament usually goes on holidays, MPs get a nice long holiday. They're actually sitting for slightly longer than normal this year. Parliament normally ends at the end of July, but because of the political crisis and the stuff they need to do, Parliament won't end until at least August. August the 9th, but the MPs still get a nice long holiday. Macron will go down to the presidential holiday home on the Riviera. Always looks very nice down there. Mm. Um, strikes will also be happening, as is tradition in somewhere in France, as we mentioned. There's a couple of uh, dates that we know about. Uh, July 1st is the sort of start date for airline strikes. We've also got some public holidays. There's the Fête Nationale on uh, July 14th. Bastille uh, Day, as, as some people refer to it as, yeah, July the 14th. And yes. you'll be off to a fireman's ball? Probably, yes, that is. Uh, the Bal de Pompier are traditional for the Fête Nationale, which, interestingly, is always called Bastille Day in English and is never referred to that in France. I honestly don't know where that came from. It is true, uh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously linked to the storming of the Bastille, which happened on July 14th. That is what we're celebrating, yes, the birth of France as a uh, as a republic. And there's going to be, like, a massive parade down the Champs-Élysées, lots of soldiers, the French Foreign Legion are going to be out in their, like, big beards and axes. It's quite a, uh, quite a display. There's fireworks in pretty much every town in France, even quite small places. And as you mentioned, there is the traditional and very fun Bal de Pompier. It's definitely worth checking out Fireman's Ball in your local village if you can find one. And there's another bank holiday in August, which is uh, worth noting because it's a very busy one. It's kind of when France really is dead. Everybody's away. Yeah, that's Assumption. It's the slightly um, obscure Catholic holiday of Assumption. It falls on August 15th, but this year it's on a Monday, so it creates a nice long holiday. Probably should have mentioned the Fête Nationale is on a Thursday this year, so there will be a lot of people doing the fine French tradition of faire le do the bridge and taking the Friday off too. Indeed. And finally, la rentrée. Yep, la rentrée is when everybody is back to work, back to school, back to work. Schools in France always go back in September. This year it's September 1st, which is a Thursday. You'll hear la rentrée a lot. It does mean go back to school, but because everybody kind of takes their holiday in the summer, it kind of means a more general everybody coming back to work, getting back off the beach, dusting the sand off their uh, off their shoes and knuckling down back in the office. Yeah, we use it for everything. Like when the politicians come back, it's called la rentrée, businesses back to work. It really is kind of the start of the year in a way, isn't it? After the summer holidays. Well, yeah, but this is why what you need to do is be a Septembriste like me, which means that I take my holiday in September so that when everyone else is uh, really miserable with their 
their post-holiday blues, I'm waving goodbye and off to the beach. French beaches are lovely in September. It's still just as hot and everywhere's less crowded and less expensive. So be a Septemberist. And that brings us to the end of the roundup. And it brings us to the end of this podcast. Thanks to everybody who's been listening throughout this second series. We will hopefully be back in September. Now, don't forget, it helps. If you like the podcast, to leave a review on Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Also, leave some comments in the articles below. Please give us some feedback. Always feel free to email us at news at the local.fr. We're really interested to find out what you guys think about the podcast and how we could improve it. We hope you all have a great summer and we'll be back in September. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.